Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all. Welcome to the first edition of the Quinn Spin in the year 2020. It's a new year. It's a new decade. Still that same opening theme from way back in 2014. That's Rebel 9's All I've Become. Our opening theme now and forever here at the Quinn Spin. Well, you know. Who knows? Maybe forever. Maybe not. We'll see. But for now, definitely. And uh, so I'm your host, The Quinn. I'm excited to be here. We're recording this once again at Helping Our Music Evolve, and we're doing double the episodes this year, twice a month, instead of once a month, because, well, we're a hot commodity here, and people want to come on the show for some reason. I still haven't figured out. But the first person who wanted to come on the show here in 2020 is Mr. Josh Mack, who's joining us. He is a very prolific musician based here in Nashville. And we're going to get to know him. Josh, thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for having me, man. I'm glad we got to make it happen. Yeah, me too. Me too. So three standard questions to start us off. I ask every guest of the show these now and until the end of time. Those three questions are, who are you? What do you do? And why on earth would you want to be the first Quinspin guest of the new decade? Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure right there. It is a new decade. It is. Uh, well, my name's Josh Mack. I started playing guitar when I was 11, so it all started with that, and then um, started writing songs a couple years later, mm-hmm. and um, decided I didn't want anyone else to sing in the band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be the front guy, so. Not wrong with that. Singer, songwriter, guitar player, among other things, and um, man, I wanted to come on just to be more involved with the community and uh, get the word out about my music, and um, I've been focused mostly on creating lately and and not so much marketing so um i think this is really cool uh introduction to do like some long form pieces of content yeah yeah well we'll go as so, deep as you want here and on I, i've also show. wanted to start a podcast you know for a long time too so i was like well i should probably be a guest on a podcast a few times too. get a feel you know get, get a, a feel, feel for it you know, yeah sitting across from somebody else just shooting the breeze you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, happy to have you on thank you for joining us yeah so man you, you gave us a little bit of background there but i want to go a little deeper into that uh to start us off kind of from the beginning you know not just the artists who influence you but the people, the places, experiences, where you grew up, you know, kind of how that all kind of came together to make you the artist and the person you are today. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was born in Middletown, Ohio, mm-hmm. and that is 30 miles north of Cincinnati. Okay. And um, I mean, not a lot happening in Middletown, Ohio. It's not the smallest town, but mm-hmm. it's not the biggest. There's probably like 40,000 people that live there. Right. And um you know, growing up, I was always playing sports, and I was more interested in football and stuff like that. And then when I stopped getting taller around, like, eighth or ninth grade, I was like, okay, maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when my dad bought me a guitar when I was 11, and it was, like, just one of those, like, infomercial guitars. Like, it's called Esteban. Mm-hmm. came with, like, a pack of DVDs, and this was, like, I think this was, like, right at the beginning of YouTube. Uh-huh. So, um there wasn't like anybody teaching uh, guitar on uh, YouTube except for Marty. Marty, what's his name? I I can't remember his name. But um, anyways, uh, got that set of DVDs, and then a few months went by, and I kind of mastered that, and then I moved into uh, electric guitar, and then like once that happened, it just like fell in love with it. Like I I really wanted to uh, play more rock and roll kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because my, my dad had always, like, been into, like, Queensryche and, like, uh, Metallica and, yeah. like, 
you know, bands like that. And uh, I remember he showed me the S&M live album, and I was like, man, this is the oh, most- Oh, dude, ba- that this, album. This is the most badass album. shit I've ever no seen. No Leaf Clover. Yeah. No Leaf Clover and Hero of the Day are my two favorites. I love that whole album. Yeah, Fuel too. They do an amazing job of Fuel. That's yeah. That's a crazy adaptation. The orchestra is just, uh, makes it magical. Yeah. Didn't they just do another one, too? Yeah, they did S&M, too. Yeah, I haven't uh, checked that out yet, but I- I haven't I seen it either. To. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that really inspired me, and I was like, man, I really want to just like rock out and uh, play some guitar. And then that kind of transitioned into me, you know, writing songs. And um, I had a few bands in high school. The, the names are kind of funny. One of them was called the Sex Dragons. Uh, <laughs> one of them was called Sinner's Prayer, and we, did, we played for like maybe a year. Hmm. And um, then those all kind of fell apart. And uh, once I graduated high school... I really didn't didn't have a plan, mm-hmm. so I kind of went I kind of went the college route, and I went to a community college in um, Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. called Sinclair Community College, and I went for radiologic technology. Mm-hmm. Did that for a few years, and uh, man, I got pretty far into the program, and um, I was doing clinicals and everything, and um, there was one class, radiation physics, that I failed. And they were like, you know, if you want to keep taking this uh, this program, then you have to like wait a year and take it back in sequence. And at this point, I had already been sitting in class, and I would be like not focused, just thinking like, why am I doing this? I don't want to be doing this. Yeah. Like, this is costing me money. Like, yeah. there's other ways to make money. Like, yeah. you know when it speaks to you and when it doesn't. You yeah. Know? yeah, like I mean, there, there's a there's an awesome and noble thing about working in a hospital and yeah. like helping people heal and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But that's not the only way to help people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I was uh, doing clinicals in the emergency room, and this lady came in, and uh, she got in a motorcycle accident, and her forearm was like literally like bent like in half, dude. Oof. And uh, I had to go in there, and uh, I mean I had some help, but I had to like hold her arm, take X-rays, and she's just like in this like terrible agony, uh-huh. and uh, you have to like be professional and like move people and stuff, and then. Finished her, put her back in there, her emergency room, and then the doctor was like, "Okay, sorry, I forgot to take this one picture. Can you go back and take this, take another picture?" So we have to go back, move this lady's arm again. And oh. like, I'm just like, ah, I don't know, I don't want to do this for a living. Yeah, I'd yeah. much rather be uh, just waiting tables if if that's what I have to do. Right, and that's what I wound up doing. So when I was 24, um, so I, let me backtrack a little bit. After I uh, failed. Uh, radiologic technology school I moved uh, back in with my dad because my mom and my dad got divorced when I was like 19 I kind of bounced back and forth mm-hmm. for a while right and uh, got a got a waiting job and uh, saved up like 3,000 bucks mm-hmm. and then my mom had actually uh, she got remarried and she she was married to a guy who put in water meters mm-hmm. and he had a gig in Murfreesboro where he had a contract to put in all the water meters mm-hmm. in Murfreesboro, like every single one of them. So he was, had a job that was going to keep him here for like two years. Yeah. So I was like, all right, here's my chance to have like a little soft landing pad mm-hmm. for when I get here. Right. Cause they said I could move in with them for a couple of months. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And uh, I remember the first day I got to Nashville, I got a call from uh hard rock cafe and mm-hmm. they're like, uh, 
you're hired if you want to come in. So I was like, sure. So like literally I moved to Nashville on a Sunday and I was working on Tuesday. It's crazy how that lines up. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's, had, yeah, I had a similar experience, but I'll let you keep going. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. What was it like for you when you first came? Cause well, you know, I, uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about this on the show before, which is why I was just going to kind of gloss over it. But, um, I came down on a visit last November and I'm just like, I'm not leaving town without a job. Like, that's just like, I'm going to find some source of income that's going to justify me moving here. And I had applied to a lot of jobs, uh, like 350 between here and New York. Oh, wow. And the Grand Ole Opry called me back about a, about a security job that I kind of forgot I applied for until they called me. And they were like, right. hey, can you come in Monday? You know, it was Friday. I was supposed to drive back home Sunday where I was living in Pennsylvania. I'm like, you know what? I can stick around another day. Yeah. Went in on the spot. I accepted on the spot. I go back to my car and I'm like... Well, I guess I need to go back and like tell everyone I'm leaving. Now. Yeah, <laughs> like it was. Just, it happened so fast, but like when you put your energy toward that, mm-hmm. you know, and you want it, and you actively look for those opportunities, I find that you know the path will show itself to you. Absolutely, yeah. and it's crazy too when something like that happens. Like you know, you have all this fear and anxiety about, oh, how am I going to make money, or uh, I'm not going to have friends, or uh-huh. you know, whatever it is. Ins- oh, yeah. Insert X here. Uh, just like when you get that call, it's like, oh shit, that was like way easier than I thought it was. Yeah, and then all that yeah. fear just kind of melts away mm-hmm. and then you're like on to the next yeah. goal. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I got the job at Hard Rock Cafe and then, um, really didn't release any music until, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had pretty hit the ground pretty hard when I got here, uh, just playing like open mic nights and writers rounds. And I remember actually like playing, a the first one the first show i ever played was right across the street from where at we're at right now called mm-hmm. the family wash uh-huh. and um it's no longer there anymore but lightning 100 did like a writer's round there yeah and that was kind of like me getting my feet wet a little bit and then i you know I d- i've done a bunch of writer's rounds pretty much anyone that you can think of yeah. i've done it um and that's how we met was over a true music group yeah uh, that's top right writer series top writer series yeah april i want to say that was or late march one of yeah those? this year was it this year yeah, or was yeah, it last yeah. year it feels like a long time I, ago I, but i think it's it, hard it to keep it straight yeah. yeah yeah so i did release a lot of music in 20 this year in 2019 mm-hmm. but that was kind of like the fruits of my labor over like the last four years of writing songs and recording and like you know a lot of those tracks they all came about like a different way like some of them some of them I recorded, some of them at home, and then had uh, my engineer back in Middletown. He mixed it, mm-hmm. and then my, I, had, I had an uncle back there who played drums, and he's really badass, and he played some some live drums on some of those tracks. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it all it all did co- come together for you. you yeah, know? You yeah. Had, you have all this material that you've released, you know, throughout 2019, you know, and after coming to Nashville and getting situated here. But I I'm curious to know a little more about getting situated and what that was like for you the lessons you've learned anything that maybe you wish you would have known coming here man um getting situated was a little scary like because when i first moved here like i said i moved in with my mom Mm -hmm. and she she was only here for about three months and then she's like okay i have to move to uh i think south carolina because that's where Mm -hmm. her husband's job was yeah uh next so I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I found a friend because I actually had a, I had one friend here who was also from Middletown. And he had a friend that was like someone that I knew. And he was like, well, this person's roommate moved out and they only have a month left, but you can live there. And um, then you can figure it out. And I was like, all right, well, I'll take it. So I moved to Franklin for a while. Uh-huh. Moved there. Um, 
by this point in time, my, my mom and my stepdad had moved away, but my sister still lived here. And she, like, lived with a roommate. And for other reasons, we couldn't we couldn't get a lease on a uh, place together. So after that month was up in the my friend's place, um, I got on this group called Nashville Rooms for Rent. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners know this <laughs> if they live in Nashville. Yep. Uh and I found a guy who lived by the airport, and his name was Eric, and he he let me live there for a whole summer, and uh, it was great. And I was still working at Hard Rock for a while, and then finally in uh, February of eighteen, that's when me and my sister got finally got our own apartment, mm-hmm. and we uh, we lived together for a, a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that whole year, I was kind of like planning out my music, mm-hmm. so. Basically, the plan was to try to release music every month. Yeah. And I didn't do that quite this year, but mm-hmm. I, I still release a good amount. Oh, yeah. So, um, released The Giant Killer, and then um, the next one was an acoustic, uh, kind of just like acoustic versions of those songs, uh-huh. and I recorded that with a guy named Ben Justice, mm-hmm. who I met at, um, what's it, what's a place called, Bobby's Idol Hour? I don't think that's there anymore either. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that was really cool, and it was yeah. kind of just like happened like so naturally. I'm like, I'm just gonna release this because it's really cool and it's like really intimate and it's like live in the studio. One take acoustics and Certainly. like a lot of people don't do that anymore. Yeah, it does show. You know, just listening to it, it does show a different side. Yeah, to you as an artist, you know, just right? Get, you know, I think that's important to you know show that versatility within yourself. Kind of take the the songs to the roots and show people where they came from and show what you're able to create from there. What you created from the roots of those songs, you know, on the Giant Killer, you know, like it, now here it is stripped down to, you know, just just the bare bones of it. You know, it gives people a different look, a different listen. I love when people kind of take those different adaptations and those different looks at the things they've already released, or, yep. you know, and just put that out there, you know, like, Hey, this is th- this music at its most organic. Yeah, you know? for sure. And then, uh, you know, just talking about the roots, I kind of glossed over uh, an important part of how I, you know, got enough courage and momentum to get, come down to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, back in Middletown, there was really not that many music places to play and be heard except for this one place called the old old crow Mm -hmm. and uh i actually lived right down the street from the old crow and uh, they always had like a thursday open mic night and i was friends with the owners john and rick house and uh, they let me pretty much just come in there anytime i want and play on the stage and it was like badass stage sounded awesome Mm -hmm. and i kind of cut my teeth there yeah and uh made a lot of friends and it was like the one place where i was like all right this is this is really cool and i feel like i'm like getting better at my pres stage presence and you know just playing and stuff and actually now that i think about it the first thing i ever released this year was uh just a live album called live at the old crow and it's like mm-hmm. three tracks that i did one night and i didn't even know when i was, I was being recorded but i'm real so glad that they recorded it because i felt like i was just like in the pocket you know yeah. mm-hmm. and uh back then i i uh i had um had been inspired by shaky graves yeah and i had like this suitcase drum and i was like you know beating on this suitcase drum while i was doing acoustic thing kind of solo so um but anyways so yeah i mean i've released a lot of music this year and um it's it's really cool to like start to get a a nice catalog going Well, one point i I do want to touch on though yeah yeah. you know cutting your teeth i think you know back in your hometown we all kind of have that experience, right? I think it's important, you know, for anybody listening out there too. You know, I just wanted to kind of pivot on that point for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, 
so many people come to Nashville, you know, to chase the dream, you know, to do the thing. Right. right. But I think it's important, you know, while you're kind of figuring out who you are as an artist, while you're figuring out what your platform is to cut your teeth back in your hometown, if you're still there. I mean, if you're from here, you're yeah, from for here. sure. You just kind of grow up in it. Right. But like, I know coming from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where I just moved here from last year or well, Two years ago now in 2018, because it's 2020 now. As Crazy. As airing. Yeah, time, time does fly. But, like, I can tell you, like, even as a photographer, you know, like, don't go on Underground Music Collective and look at my photos from 2016. Please. Yeah. Now you're all going to. But please don't. Like, but if I didn't have that time to, like, kind of suck there, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, for, for sure. I, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have come down here in late 2018, 2019, like, wow, I'm actually good at this. You know, yeah. like, it wouldn't have happened. You know, so I, I just wanted to touch on that point because I think it's important for anyone listening to like realize that that's all part of your process. You know, yeah. you you kind of you, you develop your skills, you hone your craft and then you go take the shot. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Not being afraid to fail. Like, you know, there's probably a couple tracks on some of my stuff that I probably shouldn't have released because it was just like something in my bedroom. But. Um, I think that the audience likes to likes to see that, you know, they like to see the progression yeah. of the artist, and um, there is some good s- stuff in there as well. Of course, but um, I think too, like you know, you talk you talk to most artists, and there's always stuff in the older projects that they don't like and that they don't play anymore. Yeah, right? like I think my favorite bands are Lady Peace, and so they uh, they did a recreation tour of their of their album clumsy which is like their big album for the 20th anniversary in 2017 and i just remember watching the paste live session and they're like rain Maida, who's the uh who's the front man he's like yeah we're gonna play most of the album except there's just a couple songs i refuse to play yeah. <laughs> you know there's always yeah. that like you know you release things at the time and then you do come back it's like yeah maybe i shouldn't have done that but it's all part of that it's all part of the process, process. Yeah. and then at the same time it's all subjective anyways Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember, um, I wrote this song called rainfall and I don't even have this released anymore, but I mean, I didn't really, after I wrote it, like after a year, I'm like, man, I don't even like this song, but I got a message on Facebook from some person I never met. I can't remember his name or anything, but he wrote me this, uh, really heartfelt message about how he was going through a really rough time and his girlfriend was pregnant and he was addicted to drugs and he was like, you know, just got out of prison and didn't have a job and like all these terrible things. And he's like, this song like helped pull me through. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow, that's really powerful. It's crazy. So it's like, and I didn't even like that song. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't want to deny people of things that are already finished that I've created. So, you know, that's another angle to think about it from, but, uh, kind of touching on another point just to go off on a different tangent here for a second about, you know, what's something that, um, maybe I've learned since I've been here Mm -hmm. is, uh, it's just super simple, man. Just show up and be nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you do those two things, that's like 75% Mm -hmm. of, you know, the equation. Yes. Yes. I mean, obviously you have to be talented and you have to be badass and you know you gotta have the chops you gotta have your stuff together you know what i'm saying but but the chops aren't the chops alone aren't what's gonna help you no get further and help you become part of this greater ecosystem yeah gotta be professional respectful courteous yeah nobody wants to be around a dick yeah you know yeah you know and it's like you know in this landscape where everybody's kind of doing something you know everybody's creating something it is the people who stand out as good people who's 
are the ones that I've seen really, you know, be able to build their platform and what they do, you know, because you build those relationships, you build that goodwill, you build that trust with other people, with your peers, you know, right. with other people in the industry. And that's going to go so much further than talent ever does. Absolutely. You know, like even, you know, you think of like, in, you know, to pivot to the sports world, Antonio Brown right now, you know what I mean? A talented dude could have been the greatest receiver of all time, but yep. like, Look at what he's, you know, he's sabotaging himself, you know, by acting out like this. And it's, you know, that can, that lesson I think can carry over to anything. To anything. Yeah. yeah. So 2020 now. 2020. We're, we're in the new year. Yes. And you've got some stuff planned, starting with a new single on Valentine's Day. Yes. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So uh, I'll kind of backtrack for a second and then I'll, I'll lead it up to the, the first single. Um, so my roommate, he's actually, um, He's actually enrolled in a SAE, mm-hmm. and uh, he had like a project coming up, and he needed someone to do a, uh, a couple songs for him. And I had this one song in mind, and um, we uh, we kind of Frankensteined it together. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got a drummer and um, recorded the drums at this place, the guitar at this place, and like we did all these like things to make it mesh together but the the most interesting thing about the single is the backstory um so me and my sister lived together for a year and when our lease was up this february she moved to florida and uh, i uh i wasn't sure if i wanted to stay in nashville Mm -hmm. um i guess i was maybe like a little discouraged or just like i needed to break or something like that so i was like i wanted to do something like really crazy right Mm -hmm. And uh, I had some cash saved up, and I was like, I just want to do something, like, by myself, like, out of the way and just kind of go, like, on a little spiritual journey, and then I'll come back fresh yeah. to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I decided to do was at the end of our lease in February, I, uh, I decided to book a ticket to Bogota, Colombia. Oh, yeah. And in February, I left in... Um, I left to go to Bogota, Colombia, and I did I did like an Airbnb for a month there, just by myself. Mm-hmm. But before I before I went there, I had the intention of okay, one thing I want to do is get like a really awesome photo shoot with like a sexy Colombian girl, uh-huh. and uh, that was one of the things that I did. And then I made friends with a photographer who did who did that, and um, yeah, man, just kind of like experienced the culture and just kind of didn't forget about music. Like I was definitely like scheming mm-hmm. all of my releases while I was there because I had so much free time. It was like yeah. the most free time I've had since oh, I yeah. was like 15 years old, mm-hmm. which was like awesome because I, I had money. I was in a foreign country. I was by myself. Like yeah. so many cool things that to expand your mind yeah. and your creativity yeah. and all these things. Yeah, and uh, that was really like an inspirational time. And I met a bunch of cool people and did a bunch of cool things and. Sometimes a step back can be really healthy for you, too. Yeah. Like, you get so far in the weeds of the day-to-day of what you're doing. Yeah, I feel like I'm running in circles sometimes. Like, even just, like, this week, I'm like, damn, I'm, like, working so much, Mm -hmm. and it's cold, and, like, ugh, you know? Yeah, and daylight savings time ends, and it completely screws you up. Yeah, (laughs) and it's, like, dark at, like, 4.30, and you're like, oh, shit, I just woke up. Yeah, the sun just came out. Yeah. What's going on? But, yeah, sometimes it's just really healthy to get that step back. You need that step back, because if you don't – like, no matter how much you love something – there can be a tipping point. With yeah, you. and that's pushing yourself too hard. You can get burned out yeah. and discouraged, and I feel like a lot of people they just kind of give up on it, like mm-hmm. right in the middle of it. Yeah, 
and I, I kind of realized that myself and I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen, but I'm going to take a break for a month mm-hmm. or two months or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I took that break, got, got a dope photo, photo shoot and I got one image that I really liked. And I almost like wrote the song based off of this image. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's kind of just like telling the story about this girl that I met. Who's the actual model in, in the, um, in the picture. Mm-hmm. And it was just something that just organically kind of happened. Yeah. And um, it's called Amore. Mm-hmm. And half of the uh, song is in English and half of it's in Spanish. Because when I was there, uh, you know, in Colombia, there's not that many people that speak English. Right. And I, I had, you know, taken Spanish for a few years in high school. And I worked in Mexican restaurants. And, like, mm-hmm. I knew a little bit. But... Man, by the time uh, I was coming back home, I was like freaking talking to everybody in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, it would be really cool if I incorporate, you know, some Spanish into mm-hmm. into one of my songs. Yeah. So this is the kind of the first time I crossed over into that. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be really cool to see if I can reach that audience mm-hmm. with this single. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's the first uh, that's the first single that I have, and I was like, it would be really cool to also. Uh, release it on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day because it is kind of about love, and it's called Amore. And yeah. It would be like really cool to market it that way. Yeah, and not so, only releasing it on Valentine's Day, but with a release show. On yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I got really fortunate um, to book a show on Valentine's Day as well. It's going to be at Live Oak, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's called Singles Night. Uh, her name's Andrea Gordon or Drea Gordon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of her before, but she's a really talented writer. I've played. Yeah. I think she might have been at that True Writers Round that you were with, mm-hmm. that you were there uh, with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, but we're going to be playing uh, the 14th, and then I have another yeah. show on the 16th at Belcourt Taps with mm-hmm. uh, Nashville Tour Stop, so we'll be promoting it there, too, and that's going to be like more stripped-down acoustic version. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's the first that's the first uh, bullet that I got in the gun yeah. for yeah. 2020, mm-hmm. and then I actually do have two more singles coming out in 2020 that I have planned. Mm-hmm. Um one of my friends, Dustin Painter, he's a professor at MTSU. Yeah. He's also a student. Um, he had a whole bunch of studio time booked, and he wanted to use me as the artist for his project. And I was mm-hmm. like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Because I've been, like, itching to do, like, just some hard rock, psychedelic rock. Yeah. Like, just, like, bust out my Gibson Explorer and just, like, riff around uh-huh. and, like, you know, do something really cool. Right. And uh, that was the perfect time to do it. Yeah. And uh, that kind of that kind of opened the door for me to finding uh, bandmates, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got two singles on top of the uh, February one mm-hmm. scheduled, and one of them is going to be in April. It's going to be April fourteenth, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, that one's going to be called Cyberpunk. And the way that I'm trying to market that one is there's there's like a blockbuster video game called Cyberpunk mm-hmm. that's being released that same day. I don't know. Have you have you heard of uh, Cyberpunk before? No, no, I haven't. It's almost kind of like a like a Blade Runner vibe. Okay, okay. And it's like it's called Cyberpunk 2020, and mm-hmm. it's like in this uh, you know futuristic world in the in uh, like Africa or something like that, and it's like a rundown kind of city, and like uh, you're like kind of like a vigilante kind of guy or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, but I was like, man, that'd be really cool to like kind of take that idea and like make like a comic book kind of song out of it yeah because a lot of times when i write songs like it's it's really fun for me to make it more like a comic book like Uh a mini comic book song than it is to like talk about my feelings you know yeah 
You know who you'd love then? This band's second player score out of Vancouver, Washington. Um, okay. Portland area. They just released an entire concept album that's like, and there's a comic book that they like are putting out Hell in yeah. relation to it. Check them out. They're longtime friends of the show. So yeah, that would be sweet. That, that's a really score. cool concept to do, yeah. to do like a comic book mm-hmm. in addition to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm super pumped about that one. And that one's like so much fun to play live. And I can't wait to release that. I think I'm most excited about that one yeah, yeah, in yeah. the next year. And then uh, I also have another one that's booked out for uh, October, and that one is kind of uh, that one's called "Bit by the Werewolf," and it's it's like a it's a werewolf song. Capitalizing on the time of year, there. It's capitalizing <laughs> on the time of year. So these are all like super strategic releases. Yeah. Um, but you know, in addition to those three singles, I'm, I'm also thinking that I'm probably gonna do some like live and studio stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And release like that, like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But um, that's the plan for right now. And then I re- 2020, I'm, my, my main focus is to gain some momentum on Spotify mm-hmm. and play out more. Yeah. And obviously, like, release the music. And, like, those are the three main things that I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, man. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see to see what develops. I'm also trying to buy a house, too. So yeah. I've been, like, busting my ass working. I, I I don't work at Hard Rock anymore, but like this whole summer, I was working at Hard Rock Cafe, waiting mm-hmm. tables, and I was working at the Bobby Hotel, like pretty much as a pool boy. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, that's really what I do most of my time is mm-hmm. just just work. Yeah. You know, if I'm not playing music or hanging out with my friends or my girlfriend or whatever. Uh, yeah. So, in addition to all those things, I'm also trying to get a house because if I, I feel like if I get a house in Nashville, it'd be a lot easier to have a band and a space. Mm-hmm. And then also I can use it as an asset to, you know, rent out rooms and have yeah. people pay off my mortgage and things like that. Cause yep. my, my dad was a real estate appraiser and he, he was like a more purebred kind of entrepreneur guy. Uh-huh. And, right. uh, I think I definitely have that kind of mindset, an yeah. entrepreneur mindset, mm-hmm. like, I don't like to work for anybody else, but right. I'm not afraid to work hard. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why I have yeah, yeah. two jobs and I've mm-hmm. been, you know, been working all summer and all these things. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I just, I'd, I'd rather build my wealth that way. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I think we all kind of in this, you know, creative space have a, you know, have a streak of that in us. Yes, for, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We definitely want to do our own thing, you know, blaze that trail on our own. Yeah. For sure. So I can, that resonates with me. <laughs> I, I know that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you can do things on your own term without, um, you know, hurting anyone else and helping people, that is fucking awesome. That's a sweet spot, right? That's there. the what sweet spot. For, yeah, know? have that impact and have it be good, you know, and just, absolutely you know, get there on your own. I mean, you never truly get anywhere on your own. There are always relationships and like you know the camaraderie and the communities that you become a part of, right? But yeah, like, the vision starts out with you know the idea in your head. You know, that's where it all starts. And from there, the adventures it takes you on and the people it takes you to meet, you know, that's that's where it all kind of comes into the pot and becomes this bigger thing. Right. Right. It's crazy how things just like kind of compound on, on each other. Just like one decision that you make can like uh, snowball into something awesome or something bad, depending on the decision. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, <laughs> we what I mean? all in there. <laughs> yeah, we won't go into that yet. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, just like going to that writers round and then meeting Ben Justice and then he's like, hey, let's uh, I'm a producer, uh, mm-hmm. just come over and bring your guitar and we'll like, we didn't even plan on doing an album, but that's what wound up happening and then that's like just another piece of my catalog, you know? Oh shoot, yeah, you you never know where it's gonna take you, you know. And um, I I think that you make a good point that I I want to kind of relay this to something I heard on another podcast about you know independent artists is that 
do it, do it DIY, do it yourself doesn't mean do it alone. Right. Mm-hmm. And that just one thing kind of opened my mind. I'm like, yeah, like for sure. Cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of people that are in the know in the music industry, they're, they're, uh, they kind of look down upon that term, do it yourself. Right. Thinking that, you know, you don't, you don't know anything. So you're just kind of spinning your wheels in the mud, mm-hmm. but do it yourself doesn't mean do it alone. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. And it doesn't mean you can't do it to the highest quality either. You Absolutely. Know, I think people mix that up too. I think some people who use the term DIY to describe themselves use that kind of as a crutch to say it doesn't have to be good. I yeah. find, yeah. you know, like I've like subconsciously, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, thinking. Oh, well, it's DIY. So it's, it's raw and it's real, but then you listen to it and it's barely like intelligible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've heard that. There's stuff, some you know? truth in that for sure. Yeah. You know? And so that's where it gets the negative stigma from, yeah. you know, but like in essence, there are so many of us in this industry right now doing it ourselves. You know, it's just that term means different things to different people. You know, yeah. like you and I are DIY, but we strive to put out, you know, quality stuff. You yeah, know? for sure. There's nothing wrong with being DIY. And it also doesn't mean that you're alone in it. Like you said, you know, there are always going to be different contributions, different people that kind of come in and out depending on the project, you know, and we are all kind of collectively in it together, you know, and yeah. kind of building this greater consciousness, this greater awareness, and this greater repository of knowledge here in the industry. Absolutely. You know, and it's all of our individual contributions coming into that and coming into that pot. Yeah, and I think, like, if I'm, you know, being super esoteric here, the the main thing that I, I always want to accomplish is just to spread positive message. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if you if you can do that, um, I'm not going to be that upset when I die. You know, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I did my best, and I told my story, and uh, I did it on my own terms, and, you know, I help people along the way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in, in addition to all those things I've been talking about, I've also been uh, focused on sync licensing. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been studying it, and I've been trying to, I've been trying to get licensing mm-hmm. from my catalog because yeah. now I have a catalog of, like, 35 songs that are out there. Yeah. So, uh, actually, yeah, I just got uh, six, uh, six or seven of my songs published in a boutique catalog called Black Toast Music, mm-hmm. and uh, he works with, like, you know, HBO, um, Amazon Prime, Ooh, like, that's... FX, like, all these cool, like, shows and networks that I would love my music to be on, so yeah, I'm super right. excited about that. Uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had, I haven't gotten a sync licensing deal yet, but I've had my song, like, in the final selection of mm-hmm. the supervisors. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they chose the next one. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. But, uh, man, that's just part of the fun. Like, yeah. it goes back to that thing about just just keep moving and, like, mm-hmm. don't, don't be discouraged when, yeah. you know, someone doesn't like it or mm-hmm. someone, you know, doesn't want you to play on their riders round because you're not country enough right right you know and i think with every rejection you get you're able to fine-tune a little better right yep. you're able to learn something like okay maybe if i tweak this maybe if i make this a little tighter you know and you you learn also i think more about the types of opportunities that are right for you yeah you know it's exactly. all fine-tuning you know it's just like applying to jobs you know it's figuring out what you want and where you want to be what your goals are right you know yep. and c- Catering your resume, catering all your materials to those things that you're looking for, to the things that are the right fit for you and your skill set. It's the same thing when you're trying to find these opportunities within music, you know, finding the right ones, finding where you're a fit, you know. Yeah, find where you fit in. A rock artist 
applying to play a strictly country round probably isn't going to fit in that round. They're probably not going to be selected. But there are plenty of other rounds around town, like the Underground Writers Round at Douglas Corner Cafe every month, where, you know, all genres come Hell on the stage, yeah. you know. So Hell I'm just yeah. to throw in that little, you know, cheap plug. But to that point, you know, there are enough opportunities out there for everybody. Absolutely. You know, it's just about finding those right ones. Yeah, and this is one thing that um, that I was always against, but now I'm kind of more of an advocate for, is, um, you know, if, if, if someone's selling you some information about a publication or about a, uh, you know, a library to sync your music or, like, just some really valuable knowledge, like, I don't think that 60 bucks is a big ask to get, like, all these contacts mm -hmm. when it would take you... God knows how long to find them. Yeah, mm -hmm. like just just to have all those those contacts in there, and then having the willpower and the determination to sit there and email people for four or five hours a day, like three times a week, mm -hmm. that will get you really far. Yes, and uh, you know, don't look down on spending fifty bucks on a digital product. Yeah, because I was always against it. Like even like not even like six months ago, I was like, man, this is like a scam. Like. Yeah. Uh, this is stupid. Like, I'm not going to pay mm -hmm. whatever. I'd rather just like Google it myself, but yeah. man, that'll save you so much time. Like, don't, don't think that that's a, that's a bad thing. Right. You know? Right. I agree. And I think, you know, I think that's a good point. And also, again, you find those right opportunities. You find the ones that make sense. And as you go in this business and, you know, sometimes you get burned once or twice too, and you learn sure. the hard way. I mean, we all do. We all, we all come to it. You, you're able to recognize quicker what's legitimate, what's going to help you, and yep. what's not. You know, And you're able to, again, if you're going to invest in something, you're able to be wiser about what you invest in. Exactly. You know, as far as opportunities go. And yeah, from there, it really is up to you. It really is how far you take it, right? I, I The story of Hoodie Allen, who I don't know if you're familiar, he's... Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him before. He, yeah, he, he was working at Google. That was his day job, you know? And then from like 7 p.m. to 2 a.m., Every night he was emailing people. Yeah, you know he's just emailing. I'm sure you're familiar with Gary V. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. the same message he preaches. Mm -hmm. yep. You know. Yep. But like it takes doing that repetitively and learning as you go through that process, learning what's going to resonate more with people because a lot of this, a lot of this is cold that you're just kind of putting out there yeah. in the world. Yep. You know, figuring out how to get people to care about what you're doing enough to want to have a conversation about it, to want to invest in it, to want to invest in you. Yeah. You know, as you go, like. You, you learn more about that, but you need a starting point, you know? So absolutely, you can find a worthwhile starting point. It does take a little bit of financial investment on your part. Yep. You know, choose wisely, but choose it. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be it. afraid to invest in yourself is what I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so many people I think have this stigma about that. Well, that's, that's selling out, you know, like that's just like paying for whatever, like, there's a difference between paying a click farm, you know, for like Facebook likes versus actually paying a resource. Yeah, I don't advocate again on that at all. Yeah, yeah. Because that's not real engagement. Yeah, that's just a fake perspective. Exactly. You know, it, like you can tell you can tell when somebody's done it because like they'll have ten thousand likes and their post will have two. Yeah, but <laughs> now know? Instagram's doing that thing where it can't, it doesn't show you how many likes people yeah. got. Which is interesting because that hasn't kicked in on my Instagram yet. Maybe I need to upgrade my app. Well, that's what I have heard is that they're they're doing like a beta test on certain users. Oh, really? So I don't know why they chose me, but... 
Oh, interesting. Or, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there, but yeah, um, yeah you can't see it anymore. Yeah. And it's crazy, too, because I think that, you know, TikTok is going to be the, the next. It's it's already, it, it already is. You have been watching Gary Vee. <laughs> Gary Vee's on there. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's already 500 million users on there. Yeah. Granted, most of them are, you know, under the age of 20. Mm-hmm. That'll all change. Yeah. And uh, that's how like Lil Nas got, yeah. Lil Nas X mm-hmm. got discovered, and well, I, I just uh, paid to get my music on TikTok just so it can be on there. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you gotta you gotta reduce the friction with your audience, right? Because you never know where you're gonna get fans from. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you you do know if you like do some research mm-hmm. and like I'm gonna target people that like the Arctic Monkeys in East Nashville. Yeah. You know, you can of course yeah. you can do those things, but reduce friction, mm-hmm. and that will open the floodgates to more people being able to find you. Yeah. And you you just think like how all of these platforms have developed, right? Facebook was just for college students in the beginning, like right around the time I was getting ready to go to college. And now it's the biggest platform in the world for grandmas. Yeah. For for, for, for all the Karens of the world. Yeah. Karen, Whitney, (laughs) you know, Yep. God bless them. Yeah. But Instagram was the, you know, was the same thing. It was very much skewed much younger and now it's becoming more universally used. Snapchat was just literally people, you know, sending pictures of their hoo-hahs to each other and yep. now now that's big in the business world and especially, you know, a big source of how people discover content. Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. I need to get on there. Yeah. I heard that the uh that platform is awesome for connecting with professional people in the industry. And I yeah. just haven't given it the time of day, even though I know in the back of my mind that it's worthwhile. Yeah. The do organic you have, reach is really good. The organic reach is good. Yeah. yeah, do, yeah. do you have like a premium account or anything like that? Or how does that work? I don't just because I'm not like, I, I get premium when I'm like actively searching for something. Yeah. You know, right now I'm kind of in that period where I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of growing and building on my own. I don't really need to, go out looking for jobs, you know, I'll, right. I'll, act, I'll turn premium on and turn it off. You know, I mean, maybe that's not the best way to use LinkedIn for sure. Depends what you want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think definitely in 2020, one of my goals here is to get underground music collective itself, a presence on LinkedIn. I have my own and I have yeah. connections that I've made throughout the course of my professional life, but to have UMC have its own presence on there and be more, you know, facing the business world, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, as we develop our content too, you know, to be more universally a- applicable to creators, some of it, you know, yeah. I want to make sure that that's reaching that audience, you know, kind of in the vein of, you know, a Gary V, Kerwin Ray type of thought leadership, you know, type for of sure, mindset yeah. type of content, you know, so we roll more of that out. That's definitely more appropriate for LinkedIn than say Instagram. Right, you know? right. So Instagram's a little bit more flash. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's definitely valuable. The organic reach is really good. You know, okay. I've just kind of posted important things that we've been doing that I think are important anyway. And like I've I've been surprised by the people from, you know, different stages of my professional life that engage with it, you know, like people I worked with in New York years ago, like you know, they'll engage with the content that way. They would have never found it any other way. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's gotta be an interesting kind of group of people that are on there right now that are active. Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of random requests on there too, from like realtors in like DC or something. Really? Like, like I'm like, we have a 3.5 fixed rate. If you act now. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I'm really trying to move to DC, but thanks. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like yeah, yeah. connections, a connection, whatever, you know, right, right. I, I look at it that way, but, but yeah, I was looking at your podcast, man. And it's like, wow, there's like, 12 apps this is on i don't even know which one i want to listen to it on <laughs> so i listen to it on spotify but yeah yeah some I, of them I, think, I never even heard of yeah some i've never even heard of you know like <laughs> i'll roll them off yeah. at the end of the show here in a few minutes and like 
you know, I, I remember Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, and then I'm like, eh, yeah. Some after other that, ones. I lost, yeah. I lost track. Yeah, like those are the five that I actually like have heard of, and then the rest is just like, I listen on Spotify. Yeah, me too. I, I was I, like, I, let me give him some Spotify plays here. Yeah. Spotify, Apple, and Anchor are the big three that people listen on. Yeah, Google, I like, I do like Stitcher sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Stitcher's a good platform. I mean, you know, they all have they all have their place, and they all have. It's really just. Yeah, it's really context contextual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spotify. I use Spotify for everything, so that's you know just. Yeah, I love it. Do you have a different um, kind of profile when you do a podcast, or can you put that on an artist? Because I I wasn't sure how I would do that. Because I, I, you know, like I said, I was thinking about starting a podcast, but I was like, I don't know if I don't think I should put that on my artist profile. I should probably make a different one. You can actually. So, I do everything through Anchor. Okay. So and it's free. That distributes it to everywhere. Yeah, right? that distributes it everywhere. I know. That oh, it's free. Spotify. Okay, cool. Yeah, gotcha. Maybe um, I should do that. That created the presence on all these other platforms. You know, and and I was amazed that it's free. And I'm like, I'm on Apple and Spotify and all these places. Like, but it, it is a really good platform. You, there's no limit to what you can upload as far as like you know number of minutes of content or whatever. Like SoundCloud right. has that for your free accounts, and then. Uh-huh. Um, which we were on SoundCloud back in the day, but I, Anchor, I just found Anchor to be a much, you know, more useful platform for what I want to do and yeah. the type of content I want to create, and it distributes it for you. That's how I developed the Spotify presence, you know, and so it just kind of created its own page. The one thing I will note with Spotify is because of our opening and closing theme songs. Mm-hmm. At first, it didn't distribute to Spotify because it's like, hey, it sounds like there's music in your show. And I had to, like, actually write Anchor support and be like, yeah, I'm allowed to use it. Like, they mm-hmm. actually, like, submitted in one contest and they want to be on the show. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, like, you got permission. Yeah. So, I, yeah. But, like, so if you're going to have, like, any music feature in the show, you might, if you submit through Anchor, mm-hmm. you might have to clear that hurdle. And that was really a Spotify hurdle that was relayed back to them. So, like, I had to go through Anchor to communicate that to Spotify so it would... Well, it's Go nice that they're uh, paying that close of attention to, you know, the artist's yeah. integrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that, you know, you don't want somebody just putting the music up there and, you know, the artist not getting the streams off of it. Again, unless they want their music to be part of the thing, you know. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. Like, our opening theme and our closing theme, like, those are both contest winners those are people that actually submitted it you know it's you know different than if i were to just go and just pull something from anywhere that wouldn't be you know that wouldn't be kosher but yeah it's good that they are paying attention and like hey are you sure you're allowed to use this right you know it helps i think strengthen the market you know in in a small way for 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 the artist well this has been awesome josh thank you so much for coming out and joining us and uh yeah man you know i I always love we were talking about this so much fun yeah like just seeing where the conversation goes and this has been a good one i think yeah insight not just into music but creativity entrepreneurship and life itself absolutely i hope uh i'll come back someday yeah absolutely yeah yeah we'll we'll have you back we'll have you back just keep us posted on stuff and you know that writer's round i promoted before you know we're always looking for submissions of all genres all right so country rock hip-hop everything so uh, i'm there all right well we'll we'll make that happen you'll be seeing him at a future underground writer's round douglas corner but anyway so josh mack the single Amore coming out February 14th, which is also known as Valentine's Ooh, Day. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. The Macho Man. You're breaking out the Macho Man on us. I love it. Love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I was. I was. I mean, I was more of a Stone Cold and the Rock kind of guy. Okay. Was, yeah. That, that was my. I era, like. But... I like those guys too. Yeah, yeah. I went through a Kane phase. Oh, Kane. Kane was my favorite <laughs> of all time. Kane. I would. I would always like do this thing when he came out. I would mm-hmm. do that with him. You yep. know. That, oh yeah. Where he like makes all the freaking like. Yeah. Shit explode. <laughs> the fire everywhere. Yeah. I love Kane. Kane's one of my favorites of all yeah. time. Like him, let's see. X Pac, believe it or not. I love X Pac, yeah. I always be you I know like, why? Because he was small and he was plucky and he was just like He was you know, plucky with yeah, me. You know, like DX, but, dude. Yeah. And he was a good wrestler too. Like people don't appreciate that about X Pac, but he was actually really good in the ring. Yeah. Back in the day. But yeah, so that Macho Man thing, just another great tangent here on dude, the Dude, I love WWE. I went to WrestleMania twenty four. Oh yeah. And um, I went to uh, I was I just happened to be in Orlando at like uh, not Disney World um, Universal Studios when they were taping like the the big like show where Kurt Angle like switched to TNA yeah so I like got to see him and like mm-hmm. all these like main TNA guys and uh-huh. that was like almost just as awesome as WrestleMania yeah but yeah. Uh, no I've always been a big fan of WWE dude yeah um my old co-host Scotty Rock here on the Quinspin actually. Got us tickets off of Craigslist to WrestleMania 30, was the one where Undertaker faced Punk, 31, and they were fake tickets. We oh, we dude. So we uh, we heard The Miz win the Intercontinental title from the parking lot. Oh, my God. And then we went to Joe's Crab Shack. Do not ever <laughs> buy tickets on Craigslist. That's... I got scammed mm-hmm. for Metallica tickets. Mm-hmm. And I was so hard. Oh, dude. Okay, I'll tell you this little story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, I got... Um... I think I text this guy and he's like, "Meet me at the mall." And I was like, "All right, 150 bucks for uh, pit tickets or whatever." Uh-huh. I was like, "Hell yeah!" And um, it was in Nashville, like went before or on this uh, hardwired tour. Uh-huh. Went there, gave him 150 bucks. I was walking out and I was wearing like these jogger pants, mm-hmm. and um, I realized it wasn't in my freaking pocket when I was about to get in my car. I was like, "What the heck did I drop it?" I was like, "Oh." My God damn it. And then uh, I was like, you know what? I love Metallica so much. I'm going to just buy another ticket from this dude. Mm-hmm. I called him back and I said, hey, can I get another ticket? I lost mine somehow, believe yeah. it or not. And he's like, yeah. Like, oh my First, God. he wanted to charge me more. And I was like, no, like I'll give you 150 again, but that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Met him again, gave him another 150 bucks. Got to freaking Bridgestone, and they're like, "These are not real tickets. Where did you get these?" And I was like, "Oh my god, you got to be kidding me, dude!" Yeah, when I saw the tickets for WrestleMania too, like the there was like a broken up like lettering on the ticket. There was no perforation where they yeah. ripped it off. I'm like, "We're gonna get up there. These are gonna be fake." But I'm gonna give it a shot anyway because I'm at WrestleMania. Yeah, I was dressed like Zack Ryder. Like, I was hell like, yeah, I did the whole cosplay thing, and uh, I made like an internet championship out of construction paper and everything. And I'm just like, "These are fake." Uh, and we get that we ended up spending the evening at Joe's Crab Shack. Damn, <laughs> WrestleMania was not on there, and we're looking yeah. up the results. Like, oh, uh, Undertaker beat Punk. All right. <laughs> and then after I freaking got uh, those two tickets, and I realized they were fake, I was like, man, I've already paid so much money. I'm just gonna go scalp a ticket. Mm-hmm. Scalp the ticket. It was fake. Yeah. And I just remember walking away, just like I felt like I was like 10 years old, and like my hero, just like. Just like I couldn't like, I don't know. Just feel like I was a little kid and I was really sad about like, yeah. Just like a little kid shit. Yeah. Like it was like that kind of feeling, you know, mm-hmm. like yep. freaking like crying in my soup, walking home alone type yeah. feeling. I was like, oh my god. But uh, it did have a positive ending because I went to go see them in uh, in Cincinnati before I went on my trip to Columbia. But 
But yeah, man, don't ever, lesson of the story, don't ever buy tickets on Craigslist ever. Ever, ever. ever. We've both gotten burned, everybody. Yeah. We've both gotten burned. So Josh Mack, the single more coming out Valentine's Day, Live Oak, the release show that night. Yeah. That's a great sounding room, by the way, so make sure you come out to that. Hell yeah. Yeah, thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me, sir. So this has been the Quinn Spin, two ends in Quinn, two ends in Spin on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those places we named before, Stitcher, Anchor, mm-hmm. the other ones, you know, they're all wonderful. Choose your platform. Pick your poison. Listen to us there. Make sure you follow, subscribe, and come back every single, I almost said every single month, but now we're twice a month in 2020. Yeah. So come back twice a month and whenever your heart so desires. Also, undergroundmusiccollective.com, our central hub. You can find out about the show there. And plenty of other great independent Beautiful website, content. by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate I really it. like the website. For somebody who doesn't know how to design websites, I think I did an okay job. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. All right. I can't wait. My niece is taking coding classes. I keep telling her, in a couple of years, you get good at this. Like, you got a job. <laughs> there you go. So, so you know, it'll only only up from here, you know, once uh, once Absolutely. I get an actual webmaster in behind it. But, you know, just, you know, stringing it all together in the meantime. Avengers unite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, put, put the kid to work, you know. Underground Music Collective is also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Watch the UMC Real Talk video series. It's where I talk about things. Really. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you. Be sure to keep posted on updates on the show and everything else and listen to the Mad Sugars. We want the night. That's our official closing theme song, Nashville based band. I'm going to let Adam and crew take it away.
expect or who will meet There's no telling 